Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Ryan O'Neill, also known as Sleeping at Last. He has a song for every Enneagram type, and this one is the seven song because your girl Annie is a seven, but you need to go and listen to all of them. Check out all of his music. I think you're really going to love it. Today on the show, it's a repeat offender, a repeat guest, our friend, Lisa Joe Baker. She has an episode back when we were just getting this little puppy started, episode number 32. And today she is back talking about her new book, The Middle Matters. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation, hear all about what is going on with Lisa Joe. And we got to be in the same room, which is so special. So here is my conversation with my friend, Lisa Joe Baker. friend. Hey, I can't believe I'm here in person in I your know, studio. I know. Your last episode, which I think we said was episode 32, so way back in the I beginning, um, we were not in person. I was remote, yes. Yeah, and I remember you tricked better. me then because you just started recording and I didn't realize that's how you do it. <laughs> so this time I'm ready. You're ready. And this <laughs> like, time it's, it's a little live. more obvious when I push the button. <laughs> so it makes it a little more clear to you. I we're know. going. This it's, is it. It's so fun this to be here. I feel oh, like thanks. I'm in like Santa's workshop. Like this is where the magic happens. <laughs> I'm here in person it watching so you. Fun, right? In your element with your elves. What's your setup so look fun. like where y'all do your show? We are at, uh, my friend Christy and I have a podcast called Out of the Ordinary and it's at her farmhouse in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and it's their third floor they had this little attic room yeah so it's perfect because it's low ceilings a tiny room but it has windows looking out on their gorgeous like driveway of maple trees it's very very pretty but usually it's not like this like a formal office environment we're just in our pjs most of the time oh that's nice yeah with cups of tea oh uh, and do you drive there? Do you, do you I do. get to Pennsylvania from? Yeah, I so I'm on I'm the Maryland side now of DC. Got it. And okay. it's about an hour and a half, so it's actually quite nice. It's kind of a decompression drive. Yeah, stepping out of like work mode and mommy mode and wife mode, and I play music or listen to podcasts or just enjoy total silence. Yeah, I while driving it. to Christie's house, and yes. then we record together. It's so. Fun. How many shows do y'all do at a time? We do. We we try and batch them, so we probably will try and do. Ooh, sometimes eight or nine. I'm there for like yeah. three days. Oh my god! And it's gosh. just a bunch of conversations. And it's funny because Gracious. she and I, though, for years, so we've been friends for 20 years. Yeah. And anytime we would get together, this is, okay, here's my dork factor. Yeah, no, ready? I'm in. Are you ready for this? I would make lists of things I wanted to talk to her about yep. so I wouldn't forget. It was 100%. Like really important. I'm like, yep. oh, must remember to talk about this book or yep. that movie or what new song I heard. I don't know. This recipe... Um, Because I'd be panicked that I wouldn't have enough time with her. And so the podcast is sort of a natural extension of that. Here are all the conversations we have to have anyway. Might as well record them. So so I kid you not, look, in front of me right now is my phone with my list of Annie things that I don't want to forget to talk about. Oh, well done. I kid you not. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have time with Annie. I have to remember (laughs) to talk to her about public things things we're talking about? Yeah, public and private. But, yeah, sure. I mean, like, the most important thing, this is such serious business right here. Like, point number one on my notes app says eye makeup oh <laughs> I kid you let's not. talk about I it I was like I gotta talk to Annie about this yes. in person because anybody who listens and follows you on Instagram I know is thinking how does she get her eye makeup to look that great yep and so Thank Annie you. being the friend that she is yes. texted me a picture of the palette that yes, she uses that I buy at the grocery store yes because but then I was like but how do you apply it so perfectly because what I can't get over is the charcoal mm-hmm. that you have in the corner mm-hmm. of your eye mm-hmm. 
And then you said, I just follow the instructions I on the I literally palette. turned like, it over literally. and sent you a picture yes. of the picture on the back. That is all I know to right. do, Lisa Joe. Right. Which, I just can't watch YouTube. This is like I can't old either. school YouTube. Yes. Now the now the kids these days watch all the makeup videos. I, know. I just literally turned the palette over from CoverGirl that I bought at Kroger. And I do whatever it says. It's in like the back. step one, step two, step three. <laughs> and if you want four steps, it's like this. That's 100% well, what's what I sad do. is I couldn't read it. Like it was so small. So I had to take oh, a sorry. photograph and enlarge it. Because yes, yes, I yes. was like, oh, I'm I'm older now. Yes. Um, and I tried to follow the steps, but this is where I'm still uncertain because okay. mostly it just looked like I had a black eye. Like something I'm doing is oh, wrong. Okay. It may be how you're blending. It might be, it the may blending. be too much darkness. Yeah. Yes. So let's, like I'm looking at we'll your walk, eyes right now and they're very lovely. We'll walk through this. So the very <laughs> lightest one you do inside your eyes and next to your eyebrow yes the, I, I only do three colors you do the three so that's what I'm gonna ask you too because there's a two option a three option and a four I'm a two I'm a three girl you're three girl. so the okay. lightest one you do inside your eyes and near your eyebrows gotcha. on the underside right kind of in the arc yes arch, arc it doesn't matter of your eyebrow the second lighter shade or the next darker one, whichever the second level is you decide to do, you kind of do across your whole eyelid. Yes. Okay. And then the final one, you don't scrub it hard on the dark. Just you slightly. Just kinda, yeah. And then you just draw a little triangle on okay, the outside I'm looking edge. at your eyelid right now. And mm-hmm. It's very helpful. Now you have quite wide eyelids. I wonder if that I helps do. I do too. have a lot of eyelids. You eyelid. have a lot of like, canvas. I got a lot with. to work with. That's yes. exactly right. And I was like, I feel like my eyelids are not a sufficient enough canvas. <laughs> no way. Experience. You could totally do it. Maybe try the two one. Have you backed up and tried I will. the two one? I try that. So then the blending so also is very. You don't go from the outside in. Yeah. To blend. Yeah. Because that will spread it across your whole eye. Okay. That's what makes your whole you eye look like You don't go from like the outside. So you start at the halfway point of your eye and yeah, go and out just, to and the all, triangle. Actually, all I'm doing is touching between the light and the dark and blending the actual area ah, where the light and the dark touch. Okay. That's the only thing I'm blending. I'm not taking the dark out. I'm not bringing yes. the dark in. I'm letting the dark stay right. where it is. Well, you see, these are the important conversations and this I was is why looking you forward need, to having I know. With you. This, this is why we need each other on Instagram <laughs> is because you literally text me right afterwards. I posted something. You said, your eyes, tell me how. And I was like, when I get home tonight, <laughs> you're, I'm just going to send you a palette you a of picture. my makeup. I know. And I was expecting some really like expensive brand name and it nope. made me feel so not this good. girl i know it was no. just like cvs do- yes. all greens 100 instructions on the back instructions on the back know, that that's is what the i trick. love about you i mean <laughs> no, i've loved love that about that, you but... since your very first book perfectly unique right oh, thanks yeah which was actually wasn't it called something else before it was called from head to foot when there i there you go it, but now yeah now it's that is literally everywhere. i date that's my how long we've been friends all the way yeah. back to that i believe book. it because we were already both encouraged back then right we were and i remember that book so much i remember you being so passionate about having to tell the stories in that book that yeah. you self-published it and said, I'm doing it. Yeah. And you went all in and I fell in love with you and that book because you are so honest about just as a woman and really then as a woman who's processing how she felt as a girl mm-hmm. about her own body. Mm-hmm. And for me, having lost my mom really early and she yeah. was really sick for a long time. So she was really gone from the time I was 16. So mm-hmm. from 16 to 18, she was in the hospital and she passed away a week to the day after my 18th birthday. So this whole idea of like, how do I understand things like makeup or hair yeah. or who I am as a woman? It's a conversation I think even in my 40s, I'm still curious about because yeah. I think there's that hole that we have sometimes. But and, you're raising a daughter. And I'm raising a daughter. So that's why it has felt for me especially important to navigate this world uh-huh. of figuring out how do I see myself? And I think I've always appreciated because you're so honest 
in your own journey there mm. as a girl and now as a woman. Yeah. And for me, that's really comforting. And I think, you know, the story you told, do you know which one I'm going to mention from um, that book? The um, duct tape. Dude, yeah, I mean, I my know, parents uh, hate that story. Understandably, I'm sure they I'm, do. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you wrote about how you duct taped your middle, and so I have. It's funny how. Well, I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, I can date some of my body image stuff from specific stories in uh -huh. my life. So, for uh -huh. I imagine for you, it might be that duct tape one. Yes. But I had a similar story, and this is why I see I'm still asking questions about makeup as a 40-year-old woman. So my mom and I, before she was sick, we were driving in the car. I remember it so vividly. We're driving a green Volkswagen. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> Station okay. wagon. Yeah. And um, I'm in the front seat next to my mom, and I must have been like, I don't know, maybe 14, uh -huh. 13 or 14. Was she already sick? She wasn't. Okay. And that's why that, that's, how I'm, that's how I know how old I was maybe 15 and it's the season of beauty pageants miss we're in south africa uh -huh. miss south africa is happening oh, wow. on tv yeah. okay oh my gosh you're from the south like yes. you know what a big deal that's sort everybody of thing. Knows. beauty pageants yes. right right and my little 14 year old heart is so excited at these mm -hmm. girls who are getting all dressed up and i say to my mom one day mom i'm gonna be miss south africa Mm. To which my mother responds, <laughs> I don't know what she was thinking. I wish I could ask her. She says, oh, no, you know, my darling, I think you're beautiful, but just not like that. Oh, wow. Ooh. And it's funny. I feel the weight of it still as yeah. a 44-year-old woman. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> when you speak that into someone's life, so I don't know if it's like how your duct tape speaks to you, like yeah. those words, I, I feel like I've carried them ever since. Yeah. And what do you do as a mom? Because- Zoe says to you, mm -hmm. she wants to be Miss America. Right. Is the right answer okay? Because then there are those moms. Zoe's beautiful. So, <laughs> so, so end of story. Brand new story. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There are those moms whose kids get on American Idol. Right, right. And you go like, why didn't anybody tell that child the truth? Right, right. Do you want to be the mom who says what the kid wants to hear? Right. But you are beautiful. I hope this is coming across no, right. No, no, no. You're a beautiful. Great Tell me as a mom what of, you do. Yes. So here's the thing. Like by the time they're at American Idol, they've probably gone through like years of singing at home. Yeah. And so like you, you know, you're fast forwarding, right? So it's right. not like at that point when I was sitting in the car with my mom, it's not like I've entered a ton of beauty pageants. I'm just a little girl having that thought for there the very first, for the first time. time. Yeah. So it's not like someone who said to their mom, I want to sing. And then the mom's like, well, let's try some singing lessons. And then Got you it. sing and There's you, some steps. you're terrible oh, at it. And then she keeps telling you, you keep going, keep going, and then you get to American Idol, and then they tell you you're bad. You're no, this is the very beginning. This is the whisper of every woman's heart. Am I yes, beautiful? Yes. Am I? And her right answer should have been yes. Yes, you, yes, you are, are gorgeous. How do we start? Yes, let's yes. And let's think about like all the ways you're beautiful. So I actually have this conversation with my daughter quite oh, a lot I love it. because she'll say to me things like, "Oh, you know, when she was a toddler, toddlers have these little chubby bellies, uh -huh. right? That they're supposed to." Yeah. And she would say to me sometimes at night, um, if she was taking a bath, like, "Mom, why?" my tummy like this like uh -huh. look at my tummy and then we would talk about how okay but think about acorns uh-huh chubby round little acorns and they're that size because they're intended to pack up everything you need to grow into this mm. tall giant oak tree yeah well your belly's like that like right now you've got everything in you for who you're going to become and so we talk about beauty on many many That's levels brilliant. like beauty being strength beauty being mm -hmm. kindness beauty being intelligence beauty being encouragement of friends but but beauty also being beauty. Like, yeah. And I, I don't think there's any little girl in the world who isn't beautiful. Uh -huh. And our daughters will see themselves as beautiful first through their mother's eyes is what I learned. It's the first oh, reflection we have. Wow. Am I beautiful or not? 
How does my mom see me? And so I wish I could take my mom by the shoulders since yes. I'm a mom now and say, what yes. were you thinking? Yes. You know. And I think she she meant well. She meant that whole, I don't want my daughter to have this big disappointment in the future. But guess what? I was 14. I wasn't applying to be Miss South Africa right. in that moment. And so I, that's a brilliant piece of advice, though, to say like, just say yes, yes, and then take the first step. You don't. Yes. Reality is not necessary right here. No, for what the uh, world is going to judge right. and decide in fifty steps from right. now. Because she's not actually asking, "Do you think I'm beautiful enough to be on Miss South Africa?" The actual question that's buried underneath is, "Do you think I'm beautiful?" Oh, that's right. actually the question every little Lisa girl Joe. is asking, yep. and our moms are the ones who can tell us yes or no. Mm-hmm. And by extension, it's the answer that we're getting from God, that we're trying to understand, like, who I am made as, am I beautiful? And so I find myself still asking that question in my 40s. So it's why I wrote a whole book where, like, my muffin top is a main character. Oh, my gosh, it's the first chapter. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. The first chapter of The the Middle Matters. The line of the book. It's called Why the Middle of Your Muffin Top Matters. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I got such pushback. Did you? Oh, my goodness. From your publisher? Mm-hmm. Not everybody. But there was a deep undercurrent of, I don't even know if we can say that word. Mm. Women won't like it. Yeah. It's offensive. It will make women feel less than. Women won't want to read about it. And I said, no, listen to me. <laughs> Whoa. Step back. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Because there's so many parts of life that feel like the muffin top. Mm. Like, the hard parts, right, that nobody wants to talk about. Like marriage, oh, so dreamy. You know what? 20 years in, doesn't feel quite as dreamy as it did in the middle. Sure. It's in the beginning. It's hard. Or parenting teenagers or failure at work or doubt that I struggle with. I think of all of these as sort of muffin tops <laughs> that yeah. we have to figure out what we're going to do sure. with. And a lot of us just want to drape a flowy shirt over them, much like I'm wearing mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. and call it good enough. But I really think we miss out then. I mean, as you know, if you go to Panera, like I do, yes. the muffin top is the best thing. You can <laughs> order it as a standalone. Really? So, you can yes, just get a muffin top Yes, it's Panera? called a muffy. Yes. <gasps> That's adorable. Pumpkin spice muffy. Oh, Excellent. Okay. Cannot recommend Great. it enough. But I think that there are these parts of ourselves we have been taught to feel embarrassed of that I just don't think is true. I think mm. my body and what it has produced, the three children, the humans I grew from scratch, yes are part of why I have this muffin top and this marriage that's been hard here in the middle, but I'm still in it. You know, these failures stand for the things I try to do. And so I said to my publisher, but I want to write about that. I want to write about all these parts that women feel like are not good enough Uh and that they want to hide. Yeah, I'm going to go tell me some stories about them because I want women to see how beautiful they are. I want to be the mom who tells them, yes, you are beautiful. Yeah, you're beautiful. Yes. You're getting to, I mean, this is just the acorn thing, Mm -hmm. right? Where you are getting to take your loss and your experience Mm -hmm. as a daughter without a mom for most of her life. And you are getting to turn around and mother so many people. Right. I feel so strongly about that, that as women, one of the gifts we get to give one another is say, I see the beauty in you. I see the beauty in that project, that book you're writing or that kids you're mentoring or how you're trying homeschool for the first time. Oh, it didn't work out for you. And now you're trying school again. There are just so many ways that we get to show women how beautiful they are. So I figured, you know what, maybe I could write a book that's a collection of photographs is how I think about this book. Oh, wow. A collection of images so that, and the camera I used 
are my words. Yeah. That's how I took the pictures. And so I have an essay called My Favorite Muffin Top Photo. Yeah. <laughs> because it actually was a photograph. That's yeah. how it started. My daughter and I, at the end of her kindergarten play, I'm crouched down on the stage next to her. And I'm just like so happy. Yeah. So delighted in her, just glowing. I mean, we're fools for her, okay? We have two boys and then a daughter. She's uh-huh. the youngest. It was her, her, her kindergarten play, our last one. Her father brought her flowers. We're oh, just like I love it. ridiculous. Okay? Yeah. On the edge of the stage. And the boys love her too. They right? love I mean, her. Everybody, I mean, yeah. She just rules the roost. <laughs> and we were like, she, I, she was like, the show she was in is called the Three Piggy Opera, which uh-huh. I think everybody does like across the US pretty sure. much. She had a speaking role, Annie. Oh. She was the brick house pig. Oh my gosh. She had an the entire world. line. Okay. Brickhouse you pig. would think she had like got a scholarship to Juilliard. Yes, yes, yes. Basically, she was so it's ready. how we felt, we felt uh-huh. about it. Um, and she had complaints afterwards about how when she was trying to speak her line into the microphone, the boy she was sharing with didn't share and she oh didn't boy. get to hold the mic that and guy. whatever. You said it's called the patriarchy. There- <laughs> we'll talk about it. You'll get used to it. So I'm crouched down it. on the stage and her dad's taking a picture. And it, you know, afterwards when I looked at the photograph, at first glance, all I saw was just joy. Yeah. Like that picture just radiates delight and love and fierce pride. Yeah. And then at the second glance, I noticed that my muffin top had put on a very prominent appearance oh, in the picture. Yeah. But the reason I love the photograph is it's because I hadn't had time to be self-conscious. Yes. I hadn't had time to rearrange my clothes and the drape of my shirt and how I was positioned because I was so focused on Zoe. Yeah. And I thought, my goodness, if that isn't a metaphor for life, like let me learn to be so focused on others that I forget about myself in healthy ways. Yeah, you know? that's right. Because that's what that photo is about. It's not, it's not about my muffin top. Right. It's about that moment with my daughter. Yes, that I'd like to point out my muffin top made possible. But anyway. <laughs> I, I just had a video come out not long ago and it was in multiple parts. And one of the parts I was really insecure about how I looked. And I had to do this whole thing of like, yeah. you know why you weren't doing all the things with your body that you normally do to hide things is you are having a great time. Right. So no one is going to notice what you're noticing because they're all having a great time too. Isn't that powerful? It's just so ridiculous. That's its own kind of beauty, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I was looking at your Instagram post from a while back where you had the picture of just the jeans. You had a photograph yeah. of jeans and yeah. you talked about how you cut the labels out of your yeah, clothes. Yeah, cut all the tags out of the pants. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. So you can't be defined by that number. Yeah, because it just straight stresses it doesn't either it? it's a blessing or a stressing either way and it doesn't matter it's just not worth it, it and I matter. think I had an experience recently where you know I'm from South Africa originally and we were going home for the summer and it was my dad's 70th birthday and my dad is a doctor like but the healthiest guy you've ever met he's yeah. turning 70 and he runs five miles a week and oh my gosh adopted three kids the ages of our yeah. kids he's like a saint in human form and I had been <laughs> on this book deadline and so I had pounded a large quantity of candy corn uh-huh. and my favorite carbs, French bread and brie cheese yes. and Coke. And, you know, there's some things a 40-year-old body just does not recover uh-huh, from uh-huh. very quickly or anybody really. <laughs> and so, like, I had suddenly went on this panic, like, about what weight I was and how we hadn't seen them in two years and how when you only see people every two or three years, there's yeah. all this pressure about how you look because yes. it's how they'll remember you. Yeah. And it was so stressful. And I felt like every morning the scale was like this loud, shouty voice mm. in my head yeah. waiting to just yell at me about how awful I was and what I weighed was terrible and what my family was going to think of me. And and finally, I just decided that was enough already. I couldn't handle it. And I called my dad. 
And I just told him, I was like, hey, man. Oh, wow. So listen, um, we're coming home a little heavier than planned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to need you to love us. Yeah. I'm giving you a heads up because I don't want to deal with like a lecture from you about it. I just want to come home. And my father, and this is, I guess, one of those full circle redemptive moments. My father said all the things my mom didn't say at that moment when I asked about being beautiful. My dad just laughed and he said to me, are you kidding me? Just get home already. We cannot wait for you to come. We're so excited. And we are definitely planning on adding a few more pounds because we've got all your favorite foods lined up. Like you just come home and let us love you. And I realized... It's interesting. Um, on my mom's, this is a random series of dots to connect. No, but, no, do it. But on my mom's tombstone is a Bible verse from Second Corinthians four sixteen that talks about how these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory uh-huh. that far outweighs them all. And I've thought about that idea of weight right? Like the weight of glory that all of our bodies carry. Mm. And there's no way a scale can measure that. Mm. And I felt like in listening to my dad that day, he, he connected those dots for me. And I realized, oh, I'm weighing my life in the wrong way. Mm. I'm weighing my beauty in the wrong way. Like there's a weight of glory that God embodies in inside of us that can't possibly be measured by scale. It just cannot. And it was such a turning point for me to realize, oh, okay, so I get that fitness matters and health matters. I mean, I understand that, right? Yes, like yes. you, of course, it's you, all, you all talk about it yeah. a lot. We understand that, but but I can't let that weight crush me. I have to remember there's a there's a larger weight mm. that my body is made for, a weight of glory that, that a scale can't possibly capture. Yeah. And that has been what I mean when I talk about this time and the season in my life in the middle of leaning into these things like muffin tops that people feel like diminish us. But instead, no, I think they remind us of the life that we've lived, Mm -hmm. the weight Mm -hmm. of glory that's buried in our ordinary lives. Yeah. So yeah, that trip home ended up being much different than I expected because my dad, my dad said the things I kind of wish my mom had said, you know, 20 years ago. Right. So this is why I shared the jeans picture, yeah. Lisa Joe, yeah. is because in the first of Second Corinthians, it said Second Corinthians one, I think it's verse four or seven. We'll we'll tag it, but it says, "In our distress, mm. you were comforted and received salvation, oh. and in our comfort, you received comfort and endurance." Mm. And I and the Lord, I mean, that morning that I post that picture, the Lord just kind of said to me. It is in your distress that other people get comforted and they get salvation. And so you can't only tell stories after you've been comforted. You have to tell stories when you're in distress. distress. So your whole book, The Middle Matters, the whole thing is going to bring people comfort and Mm. salvation. Oh, that's so powerful. Right? And then when we tell the story from a comforted place, they get endurance. They go, okay, then I can survive this too. Wow, oh, that's a good word, Annie. Isn't that a great script? And you know yeah. me and Paul. Well, I don't know if you know me and Paul. We don't get, always get along. <laughs> right. But I thought that is one of the most, that will impact me for my life. Right. Of like, oh, if I will tell stories from a distressed place, like you've right. done with the middle matters, mm-hmm. and like I can talk about where I am with my jeans mm-hmm. in that particular day, then people get comforted and salvation. Wow, man, that'll preach. It's good to hear. I love that I'm here in person so that those Instagram posts I've read from a distance, I yeah. can like have Annie That's why dissect I, for me now in person. Girl, and I, I hit send and I left my phone in my living room and I went to my bedroom and I cried my eyes out. Uh, and I said, I don't want to tell anybody any of that. Sister. And, but if people will get saved, 
Right. And if they will get comforted, right. Then my life is not about, I mean, that is what, that that's is the thing. That's, that's what you've what done with your is, book. And that is exactly how I feel about this book. I felt like I was going to take all those stories all those parts of my life. So in here, I mean, I talk about failure very brutally. I talk about how we have never owned a house till I turned 40. We rented. Like all the things that were a deep source of shame I know, and I didn't know that was a shamey thing, but I... Oh, so profound. I think for women in general, I... Women will send me like direct messages, like yeah. like a secret, like a whisper into uh-huh. my Instagram. Me too. We've never owned a house, or we're living. We I wonder, is it a married thing? Maybe, I, maybe we've because single back women. In there's parents. always a I don't want to move again, or I don't want to buy because that says I'm giving up on getting married. Kind that's of feel interesting. So I wonder if it's a, maybe. a husband and wife together, and that sense of like, oh, we're married, so we're supposed to be grown ups, and part yes. of being grown ups, and is that's totally anecdotal. So if people are yelling back at us, yeah, we I'll could be, be way wrong, but I'm interested think. in that. Yeah, but I have, you know, I just. Hear these whispers come into me or like mm. the sense because it's the sense of having failed like we yeah. had to move back in with our parents yeah. or we made really bad financial choices so we can't afford to own a house and so yeah. Pete and I had been married 15 years before yeah. we owned a house we had always rented and we had made really bad financial choices yeah. and I talk about that in the book too because for a long time gosh I love what you said I'm going to hold on to how you describe that so when we share stories that are coming out of our what was the word you distress. used? Distress. Stories People from get distress. Comforted People get comforted. And I think we... I think the enemy so clearly wants to prevent us mm. from telling those stories so mm-hmm. that people won't get comfort, right? right? Right, So Pete and I, part of why we couldn't buy a house is we were foolish with our finances, yeah. really foolish. And we lived overseas a lot. We've moved a lot. We've had babies in every country we've lived. Some people collect fridge magnets. Yeah. We've had children. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but those babies cost us a lot because we didn't have insurance. We were traveling. Yeah. And I mean, I was on a payment plan to pay off my first two boys for, for years. Yeah, <laughs> I told yeah. them they were like so expensive. Right. Zoe, we had on health insurance, and I was like, this is the cheapest baby we've ever had. Let's have a bunch more. Um, but anyway, we had such shame about our financial failure. And what made it worse is that I felt like I couldn't talk to God about it because it was my own fault. Oh, wow. I did this to myself. Oh, and I Lisa think people jo. think that about weight, about yes. destructive relationships, yes. about any kind of failure. Like, I can't talk to God about this because it is my own fault. And so Pete and I- I got myself into this. Got to get myself out. I got to get myself out. And then yes, I'll and go then. back to God. And so I, and it was so terrible because then you've got the double whammy of having failed mm-hmm. and then feeling like you're to blame for that failure. Mm-hmm. And so you have to beat yourself up. And so for years, I lived with that for years, the shame, the suppressive shame, I felt like I could not talk to God about. And then- <laughs> I had this picture in my mind. I thought that God gave me. It was so powerful. I So this is how I pictured Peter and I. I pictured that we had dug like a hole. Yeah. Not just like with our hands or with shovels, but we'd use like a big bulldozer yeah. thing and dug like a pit, like an a foundation yeah, of yeah, an yeah. apartment building. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. deep. Yeah. Then we played chicken on the side of the hole. Uh-huh. And then we fell into the hole. Okay. And then we had to get out of the hole by ourselves. And I felt like God said to me, really? So if your children did that... Mm. on purpose, destructively, they dug a hole and then they played chicken and then they fell in the hole. Your reaction is to stand on the side of the hole and lecture them and tell them I can't help you till you're out of the hole. What are you talking about? He said, no, no, good God fathers run and jump into the hole. That is what they do. And then they bring the soup and the flashlights and the tea. And actually there was a news story a couple years ago about those kids in Asia. Do you remember that story? All the boys in Thailand who were trapped underground. I can cry thinking about it. And those rescue workers who never gave up. At no point in that story did somebody accuse those kids 
of foolishness or that they didn't deserve to be rescued. Yes. Could you imagine? I mean, if, if the that news was a headline, said, we're going to stop because they yeah. don't deserve to be you're rescued. Just, you're so stupid yeah. that you deserve to be in there. Yeah. No, the entire world came to a standstill as we yeah. watched with bated breath for those boys to be rescued. And when they were rescued, it was like our rescue. Uh huh. Why would we think less of God? Yeah. And so now I'm of the mindset that I write about these stories of failure or, you know, flabby muffin tops or how difficult it is to parent teenagers or to survive marriage in the middle because I know so many people are in the same hole. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, you're not in the hole alone. Mm -hmm. You have a God who <laughs> runs. He doesn't just like walk slowly. Like he right. runs and dives into the hole and then says, get up on my shoulders. I'm going to help you out of this mm -hmm. hole. Mm -hmm. And how powerful that is. And yeah. so the house story was really where I first encountered that because we were in such bad debt that we couldn't afford to buy a house. And I yeah. thought it was our own fault wow. because it was. And so I thought, there's no one I can talk to about this, least of all God. Right. My friend JP Pakluda said, he posted this on Instagram where he said, there, one, one, when you get in trouble, you say, oh, no, I can't tell dad. Uh, we, what we should say is, oh, no, I got to go tell dad. Right. You know, isn't that powerful? Yeah. And I thought, man, that's so different. So I think. <laughs> different. I know. I have that conversation with my own kids. I always want to tell them, no matter what happens, I need to be your first phone call. Yeah. Like, I promise you. I promise you I will not be mad. I will come yeah. and get you. I'll drive however far it is. Let me be your first phone call. Uh -huh. But why is that so hard to apply to ourselves? Oh my gosh, who I have no idea because it's we so think strange. we because we feel like we're grown-ups and we can clean it up. Right. It's a mess we can clean up. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Lisa Joe to tell you about this super cool event coming in September. Y'all know how big a fan I am of people and programs that challenge you to go deep and take a good long look at yourself and grow closer to God and the people you love. And that's why I have to tell you about Prodigal Love held this September at one of my favorite places on the planet, Windshape Retreat. It's tucked away among 27,000 acres in Rome, Georgia. You can get some good boiled peanuts there in a beautiful sequestered setting that reminds you God is there around every corner of your life, even the hard stuff. Prodigal Love is a five-night personal growth intensive designed for individuals to explore the hidden parts of themselves and to work through what could be blocking their relationships and their potential. The program starts September 22nd, and it's offered through Windshape Marriage, and it's designed for anyone who wants to experience breakthrough in their life, whether you're single or divorced or married. The heart behind Prodigal Love is to help you get to a place where you can be more fully engaged in your relationship with God and others. And for my friends, for you guys, they are giving us $250 off for the upcoming Prodigal Love for each of you. So if you use the special code Annie, capital A-N-N-I-E, at checkout, you'll get $250 off. How cool is that? So to learn more about Prodigal Love, you can visit windshapemarriage.org slash Annie. Again, that's windshape, W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E, marriage.org slash Annie. And don't forget to use the code capital A-N-N-I-E for $250 off. That's so cool. Um, I hope you will check that out. Again, it's windshapemarriage.org slash Annie. Now back to the show. I think I'm really good at the apologetics of 
of failure, like of not getting the thing or of disappointment. Like uh-huh. somehow faith is there to help us make sense of those things. Yeah. But I'm not good at the apologetics of happiness or joy. Like oh, somehow wow. I don't expect that that is part of the narrative yeah. of God. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. So when we ended up getting this house that we, we bought, it was almost hard for me to receive it because it felt like I'm just waiting for whatever bad thing is supposed uh-huh. to happen to even out the universe. Like, right. is that allowed? Am I allowed right. to have this good thing happen? What's your Enneagram number? I'm a two. A two, okay. Oh, yeah, Enneagram. Yes, we, give a we don't have to do much. We don't have to do much. I just like to know as we're listening to how you process yes. things, what what one of right. the um, filters is that you use in your life. Yes. And so I know part of what I struggle with with twos is a lot of the literature will talk about how twos are shaped from – you know, well, I guess most of the numbers, but some kind of childhood wound. Yeah. And and mine is like textbook. You know, my mom died. My dad was, you know, emotionally abusive for a long time. And yeah. the way I survived was by keeping him and everybody else happy. Yeah. So, and lots of brothers. And, and I just hate that about my... Like, yeah. I hate that that's my story. Yeah. I feel resentful toward it. I feel like I'm a two... I texted you this. I feel yeah. like I'm a two in recovery. Yeah. And then Annie was like, uh, that's the whole point. We're yes, all we're our all number in recovery. It's <laughs> 100% right. But also Suzanne Stabile says the majority of your Enneagram nature is how you were born, much less nurture. Hmm. I mean, a lot of us connect with our childhood wound and right. based on our number. But I also think we're just you were probably just born a two. Well, what's helped me a lot recently, and I think writing this book has helped, and then conversation with wise friends has been this, I think as humans, we tend to live on a straight line mm. because we're we're trapped in time. Right. You know, there's the past, there's the present, and the, there's the future. Mm-hmm. And so like my past self was wounded in some way that's impacting my present self, which will impact my future. Yeah. And in my future, I'm supposed to get as far away from who I was in my past as possible. I struggle with that because it makes me feel like somehow who I am now is still being <gasps> defined by something back then. And I don't yes. like that. And I was talking to a really good friend of mine was in town this weekend. And she, um, she's a military wife. They've been deployed for three years. And they were home spending the weekend with us before they head to their next deployment. And I was like having a ranty fit about this, yeah. how unfair it is. And I don't want to be defined in this way. And yeah. I don't want to be a two because because that means I have to accept these bad things right. about myself and I don't want to. And and she was so wise. She said to me, Lisa Joe, I don't think that's how God sees it all. Mm. God isn't God doesn't inhabit time the same way we do. Right. So whereas we might think of time as linear, God is more like an orb. So I had a friend send me a photograph recently, and maybe I'll send it to you and you can put it yeah, in the yeah, show yeah. notes. She bought like a glass ball that you can hold up and take photos through. Uh-huh. And so when you look at this orb, so she took a picture of a sunset. When you look at the sunset, there's the pink sky above, there's the earth below. But when you look in the orb, the whole thing is flipped upside down and it's round, it's spherical. Oh. As if as if all the colors and all that moment are captured in a way that our eye can't actually see. Yeah. I think about how God sees us. He doesn't see us linear. He sees us maybe more <laughs> spherically. Like, yeah. Because he sees my past and my present and my future as one moment. Uh-huh. So when he looked at past Lisa Joe, who was 14 and felt broken and unbeautiful and her mom got sick and she felt like she didn't want to grow up to be a wife or a mom, but he also saw 44-year-old Lisa yeah. Joe, who feels deeply fulfilled as a wife and a mom and writes to encourage wives and moms uh-huh. and in that exact same moment saw who I'll be in 20 years. Yes. There's a wholeness 
that made me feel whole. Like God <laughs> isn't creating these weird paradigms where I'm just my broken past and I need to yeah. try and be this healed future. Or that this is a broken present that the right. future is going to look back on yes. and be unhappy with. And yeah. it was so redemptive That's for me really to see, beautiful. to say to myself, no, no, he actually sees my wholeness. And I thought about this with Peter, you know, oh my gosh, it helped me so much. Not your husband. No, one <laughs> yes, in the Bible. that's right. Yeah. I know most people don't know my husband is called Peter, but the Peter in the Bible, when Jesus looks out the window just after Peter's betrayed him that third time, yes, and he sees Peter. And they make eye contact. And they make eye contact. I've always felt so devastated for Peter, but you know, I've, I've started to think about that differently. He isn't just seeing Peter in that moment. He is mm. also seeing who Peter will be. Yes. He'll, he's seeing the martyr Peter. He's seeing yeah. the leader of the church. Like, Jesus sees us in our wholeness, in our fullness. And yeah. I just, oh my gosh, it's just so wonderful to me. It helped me re-embrace my two-ness. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> but also, Peter making eye contact with Jesus is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I, that's, when that when I read that the first time, I was like, wait, what? Right. I made eye contact right after he did. Oh, yeah. Peter's like at the bottom of the hole. Yes. And like looking yes. up and Jesus is looking down. Yeah. And But isn't it beautiful? Scripture talks about that look as a compassionate look. Yeah. There's no judgment in it. There's no wagging his finger. There's no, I told you so. Right. Isn't it great that there's no, I told yes. you so? I mean, I'll they, tell you, it's oh. also one of the reasons when we talk about genes, it's <laughs> one of the reasons I have a really hard time with people, which everybody can celebrate how they want to celebrate. Right. Full stop. Sure. Also, I have a hard time when people hold up clothes that they used to be able to yeah. fit into and they drop them and there they are behind them. Cause I'm right. like, don't right. you, didn't you love her? Yes. That yes. version of you. Yes. Why are you doing that to her? She, Ooh. that day she was doing the best she could. Annie. When you hold up her jeans and drop them away and you're half that size, you are, congratulations. You've right. done, you have done something for your own health. Right. Also, also, she was trying. Right. Or he was trying. You know that you know what that reminds me of? We were walking, Zoe and I. My daughter is eight and she is the girliest girl you've ever met. Yeah, in your I life. love her. You she's when the you see pictures of me. She's so okay. glittery. Oh my gosh. Oh, like, she that is, is my just, girl. I just love it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she and I were walking and we passed a tree, a big so there's these giant hundred year old oak trees where we live. Yeah. And there was a tree that had been cut down. And you know this about trees. You look at all the rings yes. that mark yeah. the life of a tree. Yeah. And I think our clothes are like that. Our failures are like that. Like they're not something we want to just drop and say, right. I'm not that. They are they build they us. mark us. Yes. They mark who we are. They mark the story. And I think about how God has built that into his design yeah, for his creation is marked. Why is it as his humans that we want to part ways? Yes. With, we just want to be we like, We want done. to shame some of those rings yes. of the tree. Like stop shaming no. former versions of yourself yes. for alcohol, for education, for your body. Just yes. stop. Like, right. And that's why, I mean, it's why I write, I have an essay called The Scale is Not the Boss of yes. You. Yes. And I have another one called The Love Story of Turning 40. Because yeah. I was on a radio interview with a dude and I mentioned my age. Uh -huh. he, Honey, his shock level really? read off the charts. Like he was so shocked and and like upset on my behalf that I had said my age out loud. He was yeah. like, wait, are you sure you want that in? Do you want us to take that out? And I thought, my goodness, since when did being ashamed of how old I am become mm -hmm. part of being a woman? Are you kidding yes. me? You're like, what like, age did that switch over that now right? I need to be embarrassed? Like right. Zoe is delighted she turned eight. Yes. It's like there's all this <laughs> celebration in her life since right. where is that? 
point in time we as women like I want to find it on the timeline uh-huh. where we mark the point where I'm now ashamed of my body mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of my years I'm ashamed of my scars like when do we switch over from celebration to shame like, yeah where's that line and then how do we push back on it so this whole book is me attempting to say no yes I reject that I like, reject the middle being that is unattractive not true <laughs> yeah. yes like this is the part of my life where I can finally look back and I've actually got something to look back on you yes, know yes. and the thing about the middle is it's not a certain age it's not a certain life yeah because it's actually different for everybody right, right? Because, yeah yes and I think and it's not about having achieved certain things like whether that's marriage or a certain job or kids like it really is much more the way I think of it mm-hmm. is it's a crossing over mm. from the first part of your life to the second part and I think we all cross over at, at, at different ages yeah. but there's a sense spiritually of God has brought me here to this place now, but now I ask myself, who am I going to be in this this final stage of the race, this wow. push toward yeah. the end? I guess I shouldn't say for everyone. For me, it's how it's felt. Yeah. What is the story of Lisa Joe? You yeah. know, I know the story up to now, but who am I? Who am I going mm. to be? Where's he taking me? And I didn't want to feel like I'm just trying to get through to the end. I don't mm. want to feel like I'm just trying to survive it. I don't want to feel like, well, they're just all these goals I didn't hit, but all these goals I still want to hit. I wanted to understand at a deeper level, what does it mean to live well in the second part of my life? Right. Have you seen that thing of um, where Will Smith jumped out of an airplane when he turned 40 and said it was like his halftime show? Yes. And then he (laughs) says, and then the third quarter is when you win the game. Yeah. He was like, so I'm going to go harder now. Right. And because then I've ever gone because this is when I win the game. Right. And I just thought, I hope I live past 80, but I love the idea of going like, this is when we go. Right. This is when we slow down. You win the game, the first and the second quarter, you're just figuring out how to play against your opponent. The third and fourth quarter are when you're winning stuff. And how do I give everything I've gained up to this point to the women coming up behind me? Mm. I think that's why I've loved what Beth Moore has been doing so much these days. Like her whole goal is like, how do I equip my sisters coming up behind me? I will give you everything. Like my failures, my doubts, my convictions, my experiences. And I think that more and more, how do we turn around to our sisters coming up behind and say, listen, sister, you're doing so great. You're running so hard. Let me tell you my age. Let me tell you my failures. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you my doubts. I mean, it's so funny. I have a section in the book called Why the Middle of Your Faith Matters, but really it should be called Why the Middle of Your Doubt Matters. Because So I'm curious about you and your experiences here in sort of entering the second half. Have you felt like, what have you felt is stronger your faith or your doubt? Or do you feel like you can't really separate them out? Or yeah, do I don't know like... how to separate them. So for me, it feels it like feels a DNA, like, like a strand uh-huh, of helix. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't have said that in the first half of my life. I wouldn't right. have alluded to the doubt no, 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 as no, no, much. No. Right. Okay, so that's Same. not just me? No, no, no. Okay. And I think of it like when you're trying to make a dressing and it's oil and oh, vinegar, vinegar and you shake it, shake it, shake it, yes. and it. And it'll mix up, but it'll never totally become one thing and it'll separate and you need them about the equal amounts. Like, that that's how you make a good dressing is having oh, oil yeah. and vinegar. Okay, I'm so glad it's not just me. Yes, because that's how I've I've been surprised by my doubt in uh-huh. the second half of my life. You know, I've never doubted Jesus, right? Sure. I mean, but I have had a lot of questions that I haven't always had in the first yeah. half of my life. And I think the big difference in the second half has been feeling permission mm. to ask them. And part of that has been interesting having kids because kids are not afraid of asking questions. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As right. we all know, because of the awkward things they will say in public. Yes. Um, but they don't see asking questions as a, as an act of doubt. Right. Like, Zo- so Zoe, my eight-year-old, she's so interesting. She, she went through a phase where she was deeply worried, and I write about this in the book. She was deeply worried that she came to the bathroom one morning, I'm getting ready for work, and she comes in and she's like, Mom, I need to tell you something, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> I look at oh, her and gosh. I'm like, really, what is it? And she goes, what if, what if Jesus, what if God is something I just made up in my head and he's not really real? Oh, wow. And I like put down the blow dryer yep. and sat down next to her and was basically like, sister, you and me both. That, right? Right? Because we if all- If you don't ask that question- you're missing out on getting a really good answer. Thank you for that. And I think she was worried that even asking the question was Mm -hmm. a sign of such deep unbelief, Mm -hmm. which is how I would have felt in the first half of my life. I think that's what I mean by the second half, where doubt is something I'm not afraid of anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have really developed such an affinity with so-called doubting Thomas because Nobody in the New Testament called him Doubting yes, Thomas. Yes, no, Jesus like, that's didn't a call heading him that. we slapped I, on that listen, story. Get going Thank on you. this, Lisa Joe. Jesus called him his friend. Yes. And may I point out that Thomas expressing his doubt then is what b- drew him close to Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, you doubt? Put your hand right here and, and touch Thomas me. And Thomas asked a very legitimate question. Yes. <gasps> it's so powerful. Yes. The church has labeled him Doubting Thomas. Jesus oh, listen, just called him his friend. If you want to start talking about all the... Li- so the mm-hmm. prodigal son yes. that we labeled the yes. lost son, yes. Jesus starts the story by going, there was a man who had two sons. Thank you very much. It was never about the lost son. Right. It was about two lost sons. Right. But our ancestors yeah. went through, and, and and I think the whole Bible is true. I don't think any of the Bible oh, is yeah. untrue. But the labels we put at the yes. top of each chapter... Tricky. I'm just not quite a soul. A little tricky those. there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I so I have an essay called For the Thomases. Yes. Because I have felt at this point in my life, whether you're eight or 80, yeah. you're allowed to ask questions about what it is you believe. Yes. And the thing that has changed in me is that in the, fo- the first half of my life, I would have felt like it's my job to convince you mm. that you have to believe. Yes. Now I don't think that anymore. Yeah. Now I believe it's my job to tell you my story. Yeah. And see if in the telling of it, your story and what Jesus is teaching you will ring true for you. Yeah. Because it's Jesus' job. It's the Holy yeah. Spirit's job to convince you. Uh-huh. That is just not my business. And so so the story with Zoe was so interesting because she sat down on my lap in the bathroom. I'm like wrapped in a towel. She's yeah. on my lap, you know, confessing her eight-year-old doubts to right. me, which resonated with my 44-year-old doubts. And I just said to her, Zoe, honey, listen to me, let's look at some of the stories in our family. Like, yeah. look at your opa, which is the Dutch word for grandpa. Look at who he was. Yeah. He used to be, you've heard me talk about him, how angry he was, how scary he was when I was a kid. And look at who he is now. Are you mm. scared of him? Do you trust him? Of course she trusts him. Of course she's not scared of him. Well, the only way I can explain that is because Jesus is real. Yeah. Or look at your mom, how I swore up and down I would never have children. I believe the direct quote was, <laughs> I would rather chew glass than have children. Oh, is wow. how strongly I felt about it. Yeah. And look at the three children I have yes. now. Like, How yes. do you explain that if it's not for a God who's real? And at the end of all of that, she still said to me, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if this thing is real or not. And I said, that's okay. But here's the interesting thing. The next morning, 
I woke up and she had crawled into bed with me because she'd had a bad dream that night. Mm. And she was lying back to back with me and I rolled over and I gave her a hug and I asked her if she was doing okay after a bad dream. And she said, yeah, no, she was fine. It was good. She slept with mom and dad. And I said, great. And she goes, how was your sleep, mom? And I said, well, I actually, weirdly enough, had a bad dream myself. You know, I kind of yeah. had a scary dream. And Annie without even thinking for a moment whether what she believed yeah. was something she could was true or not. Without all those intellectual questions, my little eight-year-old's hand slipped around my back, yeah. and she just started to pray. Dear oh. Jesus, please be with Mom, and don't let that bad dream come into her day, because we believe that you keep us all safe, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And I thought, that right there. That's yeah. my faith and doubt dance. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like asking questions one minute, and the next minute praying with the assurance. Right. <laughs> and conviction of My belief. Gosh. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. That is moving to me. The, just the invitation to ask questions. You know, mm -hmm. I can't remember who told me this, but Jewish parents, even maybe today, but for sure in history, when their kids get home from school, they ask, what was the best question you asked today? <gasps> Not really? what did you learn? And so I've adopted that with my mini BFFs, with my friend's really? kids. And I always go, okay, did you ask a really good, did you ask any questions today that I think would be interesting? Oh, I'm going to do that with my it's kids. It's so fun because it gives them permission that the thing to celebrate isn't what you know, it's right. what you want to know. Right. And it is just way more fun. It right. leads to different conversations with all my friend's kids than I would have had a year ago because they go, okay, well, I mean, I asked one question about where the bathroom was and then we get to have this like... <laughs> Well, why'd you have to, why didn't you remember? And, you know, like it just, or I asked a question about a frog because we saw a frog and I, then we talk about frogs yeah. and it just leads to such a different experience when you ask the questions. And I think the same is true with God. Um, I know it is because look on the table in front of me, but it, it wasn't just because it's here on the table in my notes. Uh -huh. Here's my note. App, yes, it says, I'm ready. Remember God, oh, yeah. Annie's book, um, because this is the book where you ask those questions. Yeah. Like Annie, listen to me, listen to me. I was reading this book. I read this book in the way you read fiction. Mm, I know I've told you this you. in person because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. what will happen in the yeah, end? Yeah. How will God answer Annie's questions? Will he be there? Will he show up? I, yeah. I read it on the edge of my seat. Oh, I read thanks. it in the bathtub. I read it in bed. I couldn't put it down until yeah. I was finished. I was too scared to even text you in the middle of reading it because I didn't want you to spoil the ending for me. <laughs> I just wanted to read uh, it. Yeah. And I think that's why of all your books, it's my favorite by far because yeah. you give, you do two things. You give permission to the reader to yeah. ask their own hard questions. Yeah. And then you tell the truth about what you found yeah, about God. Thank you. It is really, I mean, I cried. I've recommended this book to so many people oh, because I think it's the adult version of my Zoe's question about yeah, God, right. right? Is he real or did I make him up in my head? But isn't that the thing? I mean, it's what you do in your writing. It's what a lot of our friends do in our writing of going like, I think I'll be willing. I mean, it's that second Corinthians thing again. Right. I think I'll be willing to tell you the distress Yes. In believing that somehow I will also get comforted. Yes. And I don't, and, and that this story, Matt, I mean, that's why you do this too. I've heard you say it, but when people say they want to write books, I go, go, we mm -hmm. need your stuff. We right. cannot get enough stories. Right. We, we cannot have enough people telling us their experience with God and the planet and each other, like we, and themselves. We absolutely need that. Yeah. I think one of my favorite questions to ask friends who I haven't seen in a long time is just this, how have you seen God? for real in your life recently mm. because I just I feel constantly like I'm on a treasure hunt trying yeah. to remind myself that God is real yes and so I feel like when people are willing to tell me stories of how maybe they saw God yeah. in their everydayness it's so encouraging so to me good. what's your answer 
It depends, right? So every day it's going to be a yeah, different what's your, thing. Yeah, today, do you right? have an answer? Sure. For for in this season that I'm in right now, it's funny, I actually have sitting on the table yes. next to me my N.T. Wright Oh, book. I love N.T. Wright. So I was really intimidated by him for uh-huh. a long time. I felt like he was above my pay grade. Like yeah, I couldn't right. read him. And then I stumbled on his podcast. Have you? No. It's called Ask N.T. Wright Anything. It is the greatest That's thing. Brilliant. I was listening to it this morning as I was getting ready. Oh, I can't wait. And to questions listen. come in from all over the world. I Do mean, they email them in? Yeah, no holds barred. You can email, oh, you can I tweet, you can write. I mean, and they'll tell what country the question is yeah, coming from. Yeah. And then he answers the question. And so a question came into him, and this is why it's so beautiful for me. Um, that said, it was from a housewife, essentially, right? A stay home mom, and said, when you teach about God and who he is, I start to feel like my life isn't enough. It doesn't live up to. Oh, wow. You know, do I need to go and do something else? Like right. not just raise right. these kids. Go right. write a book or speak on a platform or mm-hmm. go on a missions trip or whatever. And I literally nearly pulled the car over because I was so worried about what his answer would be. I'm like, don't fail me now. Right. Don't. Please. Indeed, please don't. You're my hero. Please yeah, don't yeah, let yeah. me down. And he spoke with such passion. The words that I would say to her too. No, no, no write what you're doing yeah. are the building blocks of God's kingdom. Oh, and so wow. where I've seen God recently through the reminder of N.T. Wright has been that when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is now, mm. he actually meant it. And I think as Christians, we often think of that as maybe esoteric and we're going to get to heaven one day right. where the kingdom of God is. But Jesus was actually saying, no, no, it's now right. on earth here. as it is in heaven, yeah. which means you're ambassadors for the kingdom, which means, Annie, that what we do right here in this podcast studio, sitting here talking, will actually build something there, yeah. that we will one day get to heaven and see something built out of this moment. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so radical for me that I wanted to like, I mean, I've been a believer since I was a little girl. I wanted to run into the street and just start telling random strangers, the yes. kingdom of heaven is now, it's the now, kingdom of now. heaven is now. Yeah. Because I think so many of us are drowning in ordinary life. Yes. And we look at the viral videos and the YouTube moments and you know the Insta stars and we want to be them. Yeah. And it's a lie from the enemy Jesus who doesn't want us to build the kingdom yeah. where we are. He wants us to abandon the bricks that are at our feet and walk off and yeah. then part of the wall will never get built part of the house or the bridge or the park bench that's in the kingdom you won't build yeah and i um so there's a short story that J.R.R. tolkien wrote it's a very weird title it's called leaf by niggle n-i-g-g-l-e it's a short story have you heard of this oh i'm so happy right now i can't wait to read it it illustrates this idea of of what we do now and how does it matter so niggle is this artist and during his life on earth, he wants to paint this leaf. He's uh-huh. working on this huge giant canvas the size of his house. He's trying to paint this leaf. But he's constantly interrupted by people who are sick or people who need something from mm-hmm. him or just life. And he right. can never quite complete the leaf. And he's so worried he won't complete it. And then he passes away before he's completed it. And when he arrives in heaven one day, he walks into this garden. I had choked up thinking about it. And right yeah. there, living and alive is this leaf on this tree that he's been painting his whole life. And the gardener says to him, look, it's not finished. Come and work on it. And the work he started on earth, he gets invited to complete in heaven. But it's real. It's alive. It's living. And so... When I think about you and all the podcasts you put out or even Instagram posts about your genes, I see in that something real, not just something, not just thoughts or words, but some bricks and mortar, Mm -hmm. something you're building here Mm -hmm. that eternally we'll see one day when we walk Mm -hmm. into the kingdom. And so I see God when I look at my ordinary life and I say, 
look at what happened in this moment, in this conversation I had with my daughter about her belly and about acorns or about my muffin top on the side of a stage and how I shared these hard moments for other women listening. And that one day what we built here in this conversation will be a real living thing thing in the kingdom of God. That's really cool. Yeah. Man, that is a cool thought. I have never thought about that. I had never, I'm telling you this 44 year old. What made you pick up Tolkien? Uh, so told my friend Christy Purifoy, yeah. <laughs> who I do out of the ordinary podcast with, because our thought there is that the very best stories grow out of the soil yes. of ordinary life. Yes. And she said, you should read Leaf by Niggle. Yeah. And then I read um, N.T. Wright because I was listening to Ask N.T. Wright Anything. And in his book, Surprised by Hope, he quotes that story. Oh, my gosh. You're like, and I was like, to be oh, reading my this. gosh. I mean, those are that's how I see God in the everyday is when those yeah. little moments happen where you yes. go like, wait. That shouldn't have tied together like that. It's amazing. That has to be God. I know. And then I sit down with you and you ask, where do you see God every day? And I say these days, I see him in my most ordinary moments because I believe that's where the kingdom lives. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. I feel like we just had church. (laughs) Well done. Lisa Joe. thank you for being here. Oh, man. I can't wait for people to get Middle Matters. It comes out tomorrow. I know. Oh, my gosh. So I can't believe it every, comes out tomorrow. It's, I know. It's available. So they can still get pre-order stuff if okay, they go yes. today. So listen, you've got 24 hours to still go and yeah. get. If you go to the middlemattersbook.com, okay. we have this awesome bonus package because it includes eight secret podcast sessions with me oh, cool. behind the book. Take yeah. you behind the book and share a whole bunch of stuff. And oh, $10 great. gift card to dayspring.com. Oh, and um, a bunch of other freebies. Actually, the photographs that we talked about, the yeah. Yeah. Muffin top picture. There's a downloadable photograph oh, album. Okay. Every essay in the book has the real photo to go with oh, it. Oh, I love it. So if you get it between, so you just go ahead and get that. Yeah, I get it before the book is uh, before before we, I guess midnight. Before it goes on midnight. Monday. Yeah, on go the twenty second. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Okay, I love it. Well, thank you for writing it. I just I think it will matter to so many of us. I so, hope so. Thank you. Um, okay, the last question we always ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun. You are ready. I am ready. What sounds fun to you, Lisa Joe Baker? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So this is the totally non-spiritual, fun, Good. fun, fun Come answer. On. My favorite author in the world, her name is Louise Penny. She's uh-huh. a fiction writer. Yeah, She's I don't Canadian. Know her. You don't know her? <gasps> no, oh. I want to. Oh, only you and one other person, probably. I know. I can't wait. Um, she writes fiction that's centered around this character called Armand Gamache. He's oh, the, yes. You know what Emily I'm talking Freeman about. Emily Freeman loves these. Because of me. I ah, got her onto it. You're the one, yes. I, well, I hope that's true, Emily. I'm taking credit yes. because I did peer pressure her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the books are set in this fictional town of Three Pines up in Canada near yeah. Quebec, and you can take Louise Penny tours. <gasps> You've got to go do it. I want to go so badly. They take you to all the places because they're real places yes, in the book. Yes, yes. You eat the real food because the books are all about food. You can do that on places. Prince Edward Island with Anne of Green Gables. Too. I know. I'm dying to do I it. I want to do it with Louise yeah. Penny. Okay, that's that a great answer. It's like really what I aspire to do. <laughs> you should do it. I'm going to. I think okay. Christy Purifoy and I, because she also reads the books, um, it's one of the things we've told ourselves. It's a future gift we're going to okay. give ourselves. Good. We're just going to nerd it up. That's right. Oh, big time. That's not nerdy. I think that's very cool. <laughs> well done. I love you. Thank you oh, for doing I this. I love you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you wow. for how you build the kingdom. Seriously, one Instagram post, one podcast at a time. It's Thank really you. deeply meaningful. That's really kind. Oh, friends, don't you love her? She's just the best. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of The Middle Matters. I think it is a book that you will really, really enjoy reading, especially when we're gearing up for the fall, going into a bunch of new stuff. Let's let's read some of these books that will help us 
be motivated and excited and appreciative of what we already have. So grab a copy of The Middle Matters. And also make sure you follow Lisa Joe all over the internet, everywhere you can find her. And tell her thanks for being on the show. I just love, I'm just, ugh, I just can't tell you how grateful I am that my friends will make time to be on the show. It just means the world to me. So, hey, and if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean a lot. It really helps the show kind of bump up in front of people who may not otherwise find us. So if you get a chance to do that, that would be awesome. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You know this. Annie F. Downs all over the internet. F as in friendship, because I do love me some Lisa Joe. That she is a dear, dear friend. So Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you could need me. That is how you'll find me. And I think that's it for me today, guys. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And we'll see you back here on Thursday with my friend Chris Rice. Oh, y'all, you're going to love this conversation. We'll see you Thursday.